All right, welcome back to the Football Fanatic, everybody. My name is Jacob Gallopo, and today we are doing our Week 4 recap. And today joining me is Chris Dell from the Go Baller FFS podcast. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, Jacob. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Uh, so we got a lot ahead of us, uh, but before we get started, you want to just introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, yeah, you can catch me over on the Go Baller FFS station. I'm the co-host of the weekly Family Feud Sports podcast on there. We're two lifelong sports journalists, also father and son, intensely debate the week's hottest sports news. So that's actually myself and my father, Mr. Alan Dell, a.k.a. The Godfather. We both do a weekly podcast on there. And we've been uh, starting to kind of experiment with the Anchor app and drop in some other uh, weekly NFL segments on Anchor uh, and putting those as podcasts. So that's been a lot of fun. Personally, myself, I've been a sports writer since I was, a, you know, since a youngin, pretty much. I started off as a sophomore in high school covering uh, all types of preps, high school, college sports, and I did that for about 10 years uh, until a few years ago I went up to New York uh, for grad school and uh, wound up doing entrepreneurial journalism. I wound up uh, writing for the New York Times, New York Daily News up there. I was a uh, Brooklyn Nets uh, beat writer for a while during their first season in Brooklyn, and then with the Daily News, I spent a summer on their sports desk, and I was covering the New York Giants training camp. Uh, I was a New, uh, New York Mets baseball insider over there. So I covered a lot of different types of sports. Uh, basketball and football are definitely my two, my two loves. So uh, I, I'm, I, you, can, you can catch me watching football 24-7, man, when it comes to Sunday and Monday. So I'm definitely with you on that. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited about recapping these games. It's great that we have, like, a nice sample size now, four games, you know, quarter of the season recap, and now we can finally take a look at, uh, you know, what teams might be for real and what teams are just, you know, you, you can pretty much say the season's over and wave the white flag for them. So uh, it, it's, it's been pretty interesting, man. So many upsets this past week, I almost lost track. Yeah, I know. That's, that's what I was going to say. You're talking – uh, week four, and we kind of got a sample size, and now we should know what to expect. But honestly, I still don't. There's just that last week and this week both just so many upsets. And I guess on that note, we're um actually, if you guys don't know about this, the Anchor Sports hosts kind of have a little pick 'em thing going, and uh, Anchor Fantasy Football League. So I guess um with all the upsets, just how did your pick 'em do this week? Because I didn't do that well. <laughs> this is actually the the best week I've had so far. We do our we do our pigskin games against the spread, and uh, so far oh, I'm eleven. I'm, yeah, so far I'm eleven and three this week with the picks against the spread. Uh, overall win loss, I think I was I think I'm uh, out of the fourteen games. I think I was eight and six uh, this past okay. week. But uh, I, I mean I, I I saw a lot of close games coming like Carolina New England. Um, you know, bu- uh, Buffalo against Atlanta. I-, I had a feeling those games were going to be close. I didn't think Buffalo was going to be able to pull it out. Um, but yeah, man, it was, a- it was a crazy weekend. So it's been uh, it's been fun. I-, I love doing picks against the spread. My father and I were just in Vegas a few months ago. We were out at the uh, NBA Summer League, uh, watching Lonzo Ball and some action out there. That was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, man, I-, I love any any chance I get uh, to put some money down on these games, NFL games. You know, nothing too crazy. But uh, yeah, that's a lot of fun, man. Um, but uh, but yeah, my Bengals. I was like the one one of the one of the misses that I had. I'm, I'm a I'm a Cincinnati Bungles fan, man. Since I was a little kid, <laughs> my 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 step family like they all had season tickets. Like I lived a few years up in Cincinnati when I was when I was really really young. I didn't think they were going to beat the Browns. I thought I thought Cleveland was going to wind up beating them at home. Wow. Cincinnati pulled it out. It was pretty much the worst thing that could have happened to Cincinnati because it's like that game is just enough to justify keeping Dalton as a starter and Lewis as the coach. 
Whereas, like, those types of wins are never going to do anything for them. Like, they, they, they've already proved they can beat those type of teams year in and year out, but, you know, they're never going to cross that threshold in terms of winning playoff games. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. Well, I guess since we're on that topic, we'll just start with this game. Uh, the Bengals top the Cleveland Browns 31-7. to And, yeah, on that note, I think uh, the hiring of Bill Lazor as the offensive coordinator seems to have really helped the team. Andy Dalton had four touchdown passes, and I mean, honestly, yeah, they're playing the Browns, who aren't great, but I thought they looked pretty decent, but you're not buying into it? Well, I mean, buying into it in terms of, you know, maybe they're not going to go 2-14 or, or, you know, 4-12 four, four and 12 on the season, but, um, you know, as a Bengals fan, you know, we made the playoffs five years in a row or six years in a row, and, uh, you know, first round play, first round loss each and every season, so to me, it's like, if you're not going to be trying to build towards that, I don't know. I, I'm yet to kind of see the kind of potential that I thought I was going to see in Joe Mixon. The one thing that's frustrated me as a Bengals fan is Giovanni Bernard. He showed it in this game, too, with his ability to break the big play. I mean, three catches for 67 yards, average 22.3 yards per catch. He had the long touchdown catch of 61 yards. But it's just never enough touches for him, man. I mean, three carries for 12 yards. There was a brief time a few years ago where he was getting – uh, kind of lead back duties, um, even when Jeremy Hill was was a newbie in the league. So I wish they would kind of go to that a little bit, but it's just too many mouths to feed now in the backfield. So they're going to have to get rid of at least one of those guys. I, I wish they'd get rid of Hill because I think if the, the more touches they gave the Mixon and Bernard, the, the better their offense would be for sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Hill's probably gone after this offseason because they've, they've committed to Mixon since they hired Laser as offensive coordinator. Um, and they just they had a split before that, and then with the new coordinator – with the success that's come from that, I think part of that is due to committing to one running back. But I see I see Giovanni Bernard as kind of a change of pace back, kind of like they have uh, Chris Thompson in Washington, kind of like that deal. Like they they do really well with the touches they get, but you don't want to give them too much just to make sure they stay healthy and make sure they're efficient with their carries. Yeah, the, the health thing is the main thing for him. But it's too bad because when he was in college, he actually led the NCAA in rushing for at least one or two years. Like, he was a straight workhorse back in the ACC. He he was he, he can get uh, 20 carries per game in this league. He's that type of back that can catch pass out of the backfield. He's a three-down type back. But, yeah, you know, it's like, it's that injury factor again and obviously going for the upside play with uh, Mixon. I mean, it's funny just looking at the box score. I mean, Tyler Croft came out of nowhere. I've seen his name, like, on the roster for a couple of years, but I think that might just be, like, more or less like a one-hit wonder. But it was good to see A.J. Green get back involved. You know, I, I think the, the Cincinnati Bengals, man, I, don't, I just don't see them as a playoff team. You know, I, I just – I think, man, they can beat teams like this. Um, you know, they play at home against the Bills next week, then they're at the Steelers versus the Colts and Jags. I can see them beating the Colts and Jags. Bills and Steelers, I just can't see that. But but uh, that, that, that's kind of where I'm at with Cincinnati, man. Maybe, like, a 6-10 and 10 finish. Seven and nine, uh, I'd be surprised if they wanted to finish in five hundred. You know, getting up to that to that zero uh, and three start. Yeah, I mean, if they finished with that record, I mean, honestly, that's not that bad considering they're one and three right now and they started off zero and three. That'd be a pretty good recovery in my eyes. Right. Well, you know, last year was the first year, uh, first time in what five six years that they didn't make the playoffs. So they're they're not that much removed from having a a string of the uh, division championships and playoff runs. So um, it, it's just it's just unfortunate. Man, I'm telling you when. When the bright lights come on, whether it's like a Thursday night game, Sunday Monday night game, Andy Dalton playoff game, he got he he folds under pressure. He gets real tight, and he's been doing it for just year in and year out. And I've seen him beat up on these bad teams so much. Like he'll look great, put up the perfect stat lines. But I'm telling you, man, like Bengals fans want to see them take that next step. I think they'd be better off throwing the the, the young guy AJ McCarron in, but I don't think that's going to happen anymore. 
in Cincinnati, man. But uh, yeah, n- nice, nice win. You know, they they were they're, they're not the worst team in the NFL, but I still think they're one of the worst. Yeah, I I wouldn't say the worst. I think they're probably middle of the pack at best. But I would say they're. Yeah, I, I, like, I, I wouldn't say they're in the top twenty. I think like you maybe like they're they're somewhere in the bottom ten, maybe somewhere in the top of that group, but. I mean, I think there's a lot of, you know, decent teams out there that, you know, maybe maybe, maybe the Bengals can beat a handful of teams in the NFL, but not, not many past that. Yeah, I'd like to see them beat a few more teams with their new offensive coordinator before I say that they're better than top 20. I agree with that. Uh, Cleveland Browns in this game, just to wrap it up, Deshaun Kaiser still, um, he's had an issue with turnovers, and that continued today through another pick. Uh, didn't throw any touchdowns in this one, so Cleveland Browns get shut out. I, or they didn't get shut out. They scored in garbage time at the end, but... Not a good showing from them. I think the biggest thing for me is they're struggling with the run game. Even though they went out and signed so many offensive linemen in the offseason, they still have struggled to get the run game going. Yeah, I mean, you know, Isaiah Corral, you know, 20 yards. He, he's been a real bust in terms of fantasy this year. Duke, Johns, Duke Johnson's continuing to get that work, you know, receiving-wise. But, you know, throwing just throwing a raw rookie in there like Kaiser, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's going to be tough sledding for them, and it's too bad that they're – just continuing to not really show, uh, you know, any progress. But, uh, you know, yeah, you, you figure offensive line is the best place to invest your money and time, you know, with a team like that. But uh, I, I don't know, man. It's like, you know, not, now it's like the race to getting who's going who's gonna to be the last team that's going to be winless. It might be the Browns. Yeah, it looks like it might be that way. I mean, they, they, they pulled the they, show they, Kaiser. The Jets up next week, so that could be their chance right there, home against the Jets next Sunday. I wouldn't be surprised. But, uh, yeah, Deshaun Kaiser gets pulled at the end of this game. Not it's, uh, Hugh Jackson reinforced he is still the starter, but they just they were losing so bad, didn't want to risk him, I guess. And then receiving for the team, they didn't really do much. Uh, the guy who was originally thought to be the, the number one receiver once Corey Coleman got injured, Rashard Higgins didn't do much in this game. Kenny Britt kind of bounced back and led, not, didn't lead the team, but was pretty close with 52 yards, but nothing really oh, yeah. from the Browns. Higgins, Higgins disappeared. It's amazing what happened to him after there's that one game with the injury, and he stepped in and had all those targets, and he's just been nowhere the last two games. I don't even think he had a target in this game, maybe one target, no catches. I know that's for sure. Yeah, and they thought he was going to be the number one, so I'm, just, I'm not sure what happened to him, but uh, just the Browns as a whole, I don't. you can't trust anyone on that team. That That's pretty much my takeaway there. Yeah, I think right. your fan, uh, if you're a fan, if you're a PPR, you might, Duke Johnson might be a decent flex option. That's pretty much it, man. I hear, I hear you on that one. Yeah, I can see that. Duke Johnson, yeah, PPR, I think you can. Standard, not really. And other than that, there's pretty much no value there. All right, we're going to go to the London game now. Uh, New Orleans Saints, 20 points. And they shut out the Miami Dolphins, which is kind of a surprise. We haven't really seen a lot from the Saints defense. They're kind of infamous for being terrible this but they were able to shut down Jay Cutler and the Miami Dolphins. So I guess my question for you, is there really anybody we can trust on the Dolphins right now? Well, I I don't think there is, and especially in terms of fantasy-wise. I mean, Jay Ajayi, and a lot of people picked him in the first round and expected him to be a workhorse, but I had him last year. I picked him off the waivers after his big uh, 200-yard game. But besides those couple 200-yard games that he had, he, he's, he really struggled. Uh, you know, with his in terms of his, his average yard per carry. So, I mean, Devontae Parker and Jarvis Landry, those are good receivers there. They're going to be fed the ball a lot. But I think the – I don't know if I'd really give any credit to the Saints defense. I mean, kudos to them for registering the shutout. But the Dolphins were essentially shut out 20-0 to last week against the Jets. They scored a, a touchdown right at the last second. Uh, more that, I don't know if they were trying to get momentum to, to go into this week. Obviously, it didn't work. But – 
Uh, that, that offense seems anemic, and there doesn't Jay Cutler doesn't seem to be the guy who's able to really lead on, on, on them on any drives. And uh, it's unfortunate because I don't know if they have anyone else. Matt Moore is he really going to do it too? Um, I, I don't know, man. The Dolphins. Some people were gonna, some people were saying they were going to be a playoff team coming into this season, but that's that that's uh, that's far from it right now. Let's just say that. Yeah, I agree. Jay Cutler just isn't what they panned out to be. I think the only guy you can trust here is Devontae Parker, and not because, um, not for really any other reason other than he is in the top ten in the NFL in targets, and it looks like that's going to continue because Jay Cutler likes to lock onto a receiver. So I, I trust him kind of, and Jarvis Landry maybe in PPR, but other than that, there's not really anyone I trust for the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, and pretty I much. Yeah, I hear you on that. Just because, you know, Parker's like the young, new Alshon Jeffrey in terms of, you know, Cutler's favorite target. And, uh, yeah, Landry in a PPR, but not in standard because you're looking at six catches, 40 yards. It's going to be an average stat line with no touchdowns for him this season when it comes to fantasy, for sure. Yeah, it doesn't mean much in standard. For the Saints, though, I think they did pretty well in this one. They only got, um, I mean, they got 20 points, which isn't a lot when you consider it's the Saints, but that's really what you would expect if you're already winning by a lot. You don't really need to keep putting it on there. But Drew Brees, two touchdown passes go to Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. And to me, I think Alvin Kamara is the best back in this backfield. Absolutely. I agree with you 100% there. He's shown it just through four games this season. Um, and, and Sean Payton's shown the proclivity to get passing uh, type of backs involved in the offense. You remember when Sproles, you know, spent his time there uh, and, and the amount of receptions and targets they threw his way. So, yeah, I think Kamara's made – even in standard scoring, I think he could be uh, a decent flex, shop, uh, flex option this season. And, uh, I mean, Adrian Peterson just completely hands down number three in that pecking order, man. I mean, Mark Ingram, I think he'll still be kind of a bruiser at the goal line and get his work, but – I think more touches and more work for Kamara the rest of the way. So I'm liking what I see from him for sure. Yeah, the way he's playing, I think he's going to continue to take snaps away from Mark Ingram. Um, but, yeah, other than that, Michael Thomas looked very good in this game, 8 for 89 and a touchdown. You like to see that. But the other receivers, Ted Ginn, Brandon Coleman, Kobe Fleener, not really much of notes. I think Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas are the guys you want uh, in New Orleans, aside from, of course, Drew Brees. Yeah, and I kind of, I actually drafted uh, Willie Sneed in both of my leagues, and and to be honest, I'm getting a little tired of keeping him stashed on my bench. It's like even when he comes back at this point, I think Drew Brees has kind of proven with this offense that you know there there is only one receiver and one running back that's going to be reliable fantasy wise on a week in and week out basis. So I don't know, man. I'm on the fence with Sneed. I had some major injuries go down with my running backs this week. Dalvin Cooks out with the ACL for the season, so. I'm, like, desperate right now for a running back. I might just be dropping a few receivers just to give myself a chance. So, I mean, a guy like Kamara, I think, is a good trade target even to give you some depth of that position. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Even when Willie Sneed comes back to that offense, I don't know if he's going to be much of a reliable fantasy starter, you know, weekly. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's, um, I think he Ingram and Kamara are going to continue to split snaps. But um, they, they both have upside, as, especially in PPR, but I think Kamara is probably the guy you want. All right, um, Buffalo Bills and Atlanta Falcons, another upset. The Bills are, I don't know if I want to call them the real deal. Like, can we trust them? they coming off a win with the Denver Broncos. Then they travel to Atlanta and beat them there, the undefeated Atlanta Falcons. Now we're down to only one undefeated team, the Kansas City Chiefs. But the Bills are, I thought they were going to be tanking. Like, are, I don't know what to think about them. Are they for real? 
Yeah, I think they're for real, man. I mean, it, it's amazing how quickly perceptions change because people were saying that they were going to be the worst team in the NFL this season, that, oh, um, Tyrod Taylor, you know, might not even be starting a few weeks into the season, and that's just com- the complete opposite. Now they're sitting, you know, first place alone in the AFC East standings. I mean, who would have thought that? With the Patriots tie with the Jets at two and two apiece. But I think Tyrod Taylor is the real deal. I think he's actually I'm not a criticism. He, I think he's a game manager type of quarterback. But what's great about him is that he also has the edge with his with his rushing and with his legs. So he's a guy who's smart who can manage a game, but also use his you know fast rushing abilities when needed. So his his numbers haven't really been all that high. I mean, 182 passing yards in this game, but he doesn't turn the ball uh, t- turn the ball over and give the ball away. And he knows when to get those first downs and those key plays for his team. And it's been enough the last two. We've beaten the Broncos and the Falcons, two of the best teams in the league, in my opinion. Um, I would I would put the Buffalo Bills potentially near the top ten right now, just in terms of looking at the first quarter of the season. Man, LaShawn McCoy's struggling, so if they can get him going, I, I think there's some potential in that offense. If Zay Jones could ever get going, he, he's struggled this year in his rookie season. But Charles Clay, big, big season. He's really turning into a reliable tight end. Um, I, I like the Bills a lot, man. I, I think they're actually going to uh, contend with New England for that division title this year. Yeah, it looks that way. Uh, New England's kind of struggling as well, but we'll get to that once we get to that game. Um, but my note for the Bills is pretty much they don't really have any receivers involved. Charles Clay is the guy that Tyrod Taylor trusts, as you mentioned. He was 5 for 112 in this game, and all the receivers, uh, none of them had more than two catches, and the guy with two Jordan Matthews, he broke his thumb in this game and will be out for about a month. So there's not really any receivers I trust over there. Yeah, yeah it's, it sucks, man. It's like they're really missing Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins right now, that's for sure. Yep, so their receivers are struggling. But even with that, they're still looking like a very good team. So I think it's time we start taking them seriously, like you said. Uh, the Falcons, Matt Ryan threw two picks in this game, and that kind of helped put them under. They just didn't really perform very well against, like you said, a good Bills defense. And pretty much all around on offense, they weren't really able to get anything going. I mean, Devontae Freeman struggled a little bit. I know he had a decent fantasy day, but 3.2 yards per carry, 18 carries, 58 yards. Coleman had a nice game in that change of pace type of role. Um, yeah, you're right, man. Julio's really struggled to get going this year uh, in that offense despite their three wins. Uh, I think Mohamed Sanu got hurt in this game. So and the Falcons, the Falcons are a little banged up right now. They're, they're, I don't know if it's the, la- the, the fact that, that the fact that Kyle Shanahan moved on to San Francisco, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's. Uh, I was surprised uh, just in this game. Like I said, I thought this was going to be more of a high-scoring affair, but it seems every single game the Bills are in, they're holding teams to a low score, and that was the same thing with the Falcons. Matty Ice struggling a little bit with two picks. I think they're going to bounce back, but. Um, it, show, it shows that the Atlanta Falcons are, are human, and, that, and there's, there's really not much of a difference between them and the rest of the league. Yeah. And then uh, the, you mentioned Julio Jones and Mohamed Sanu getting hurt. I do have updates on those. Mohamed Sanu, um, he is going to be out for maybe one game, but it's a good thing for the Falcons. They have a bye this upcoming week five, so that's very good for them. Julio Jones with his hip flexor, because of the bye, he will not miss any time. Sounds like he should be back by week six. And Mohamed Sanu might even be as well. He may miss one game, but his injury is not serious either, so that's good news for the Falcons. Yeah, Austin Hooper, decent game here, five catches for 50 yards, but, yeah, not enough for them. They went scoreless in the first and third quarters. Um, Yeah, 17 points isn't going to do it for you, man. Atlanta's got to step it up on the offensive side. That's supposed to be their specialty right there. 
Yeah, and I think they'll they'll do that once their receivers come back. It's hard when you lose both of your top two. And I I would know that the Packers had that last week when they played the Falcons, and they struggled without their top two options. Even though the guys below them are adequate, it's just not. It's just tough to uh, kind of adapt your game plan to be missing your top two targets. I I think you got to uh, do a, make a better effort to get Taylor Gabriel the ball when he gets involved, even in the rushing game. Uh, you know, and, and they get a little creative with the plays there. He really came on strong the second half of last season, and uh, not even he's not even in the box score for this game, not even a catch. I saw he had a tackle on special teams, but I think got to get him a little more involved. I, I don't know if Buffalo completely exited the game, but um, he should he should be definitely getting at least at least a couple catches every game for them. Yeah, I think he will start to get involved, especially if Mohamed Sanu is injured next week. So we'll kind of see what his role is from there. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens. The Steelers take this one 26-9. And uh, the, the Ravens got blown out last week against the Jaguars. And uh, this week, again, they just really didn't look that good on offense. Joe Flacco throws another two picks. The the Baltimore Ravens are struggling, especially on offense. Yeah, you can say that again, man. Real, really struggling. I mean, Joe, who who is Joe Flacco? I mean, did he really win a Super Bowl in his earlier in his career? I mean, it's just, you know, you would, you would have never thought looking at the, the couple games that he's had, a couple stat lines he's had this year, man. Yeah, I mean, who, who's going to step up at running back? I mean, whether it's Alex Collins, Terrence West, um, uh, whoever else, uh, you know, Buck Allen, Roy none of those Allen, guys are yeah. world beaters. You know, it's, it's just um, they got a decent defense, but, you know, they, they couldn't put up any points against Pittsburgh, not even at home. Yeah, not a good showing from them. Mike Wallace catches a touchdown in this one, so he kind of bounces back. He's been struggling this year. Still, I don't really trust any of the receivers there. And now it looks like you can't trust any of the running backs either. Buck Allen looked like he was going to be the guy to own, but only two carries in this one for seven yards. Just didn't really look like he could do much. And Terrace West, negative seven yards on four carries. So the running game as a whole looks bad. The passing game looks bad. The Ravens as a whole just not performing. Oh, no. If you have Terrence West on your fantasy football team, drop, drop, drop now. Like, ter- I had Terrence West for a brief period of time last year, and I believe there was one game I started where he had negative yardage, too. So this isn't the first time that's happened for him, man. I mean, Alex Collins, he had a fumble in this game, um, you know, but, but nine carries, 82 yards, even though some of it's in junk time, the last three games, he's been averaging a ridiculous yards per carry. So he, he's definitely one of the top running back pickups off the waiver, especially if you're in a 12-team league and you're uh, desperate for running back help there. I had him last week, and I dropped him for a receiver at the last minute. I'm wishing I would have kept on to him because it looks like he might be getting at least 10 touches out of the backfield per game moving forward for them. Yeah, definitely a situation I want to keep an eye on, though. The the split was kind of weird, and I think it'll be different if the Ravens don't go down so early. But it's still um, not a lot of promise from any of the three, in my opinion. On the Pittsburgh Steelers' side, Le'Veon Bell finally gets back in the groove. He has 144 yards and a touchdown on the ground in this game. So he really kind of bounced back. He also had 42 yards receiving, so almost 200 yards from scrimmage, and he really got the the Steelers the victory in this one. Yeah, I mean, no one over 50 yards for Pittsburgh receiving. Martavis Bryant's on uh, both my fantasy teams, and, you know, he 48 yards receiving. You expect a little more out of him. Big Ben missed him deep on quite a few balls. Big Ben's pretty inaccurate on the road enough to get them to win. One guy that interests me here is uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. He's apparently the youngest player in the NFL, and he has actually had a couple of decent fantasy games, and you've seen Big Ben go to his third guy uh, quite often in the past. I mean, even Antonio Brown back when he was with Mike Wallace, guys like Marcus Wheaton in the past, 
So uh, Smith Schuster, say that five times fast. That's that's tough, but no, he he's a guy that could um, maybe put up a few decent flex games, especially if you're in PPR. Um, I, I think he could be maybe got a guy got to at least put on your watch list moving forward. I mean, obviously, besides the main guys like Bell, he's a monster. He finally got fed the monster type game people have been waiting for. Uh, Antonio Brown, you know, he kind of struggled, man. He's uh, fuming on the sidelines there, so. I expect him to get going uh, next week when the Steelers are at home against Jacksonville. But a tough secondary they're going to play there too, so it might it might be another tough week for Pittsburgh's uh, Pittsburgh's offense. Yeah, in regards to Smith Schuster, I think uh, watch list is probably as high as I want to go on him right now. Uh, ben Roethlisberger had his tenth straight game of less than 300 yards passing in this one, only 216. And I mean, when you look at the options they have, they've already got Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, and Le'Veon Bell. So you got those three options. I I would argue that Smith Schuster is the fourth option there, and just with the fourth option, that's um, not really going to add up to a lot of yards most weeks if Ben Roethlisberger's not throwing a lot of yards. Yeah, you really got. I've I've heard the numbers quite a bit in the last couple of weeks with uh, Big Ben's uh, numbers uh, on the road versus at home, and, and it's it's literally night and day. And you know you, you just gotta yeah, anytime they go on the road, you gotta watch out the guy. The really only guy you can play reliably is Le'Veon Bell. Even Antonio Brown struggles when they're on the road. But uh, but yeah, man. Overall, I, I think better days ahead for Pittsburgh. They're three and one, and I think they're like a bad three and one. Like they haven't looked good in a lot of their. They could they, they they're one play away from being four and us. I think I think improvement for them in the weeks to come with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I agree. Especially now that Le'Veon Bell seems to kind of have his groove back. I think they're going to be one of the better teams this year, as they have been in the years past. So the Rams and Dallas is the next game on the slate, and Dallas gets upset in this one. They lose to the Rams 35-30, to and the Rams are another team that I think we need to start taking seriously. They're 3-1 and one now. Todd Gurley had a monster game, 121 yards rushing, along with 94 receiving, and a touchdown there. Jared Goff looks very good. This Rams team as a whole offense and defense just looks much better with Sean McVay as their head coach. Yeah, it's, I mean, talk about yeah taking teams for real. I have not taken the Rams for real all season until now, and just amazing what they did. Not you know on the road comeback win at the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you know good team there, play playoff team. Um, yeah, I, I think you got to say the Rams are for real, man. They, they made the changes on the offensive line. They brought in guys on, on weapons on offense for Jared Goff. Gurley's back to not having you know crazy amount of amounts of men stacked in the box against him. And he's back to doing what he does best, man. Gurley's looking like the best running back in the NFL right now. Um, even even on days where uh, guys like Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods, the two main additions uh, over the offseason, they didn't hardly do anything fantasy-wise. But Cooper Cup, 60 yards and a touchdown. Gurley really active in the receiving end. He led them in receiving. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I think the Rams' offense is versatile. Um you know, Sean McVay is, is doing his thing. Got a great pickup, looks like so far. Uh, three and one, that's crazy. I, I don't. It's going to be the, the real test next week when they play Seattle to, to see who's the best in that division. But looks like the Rams can be punching a playoff ticket this year, man. That, that's a shocker to me. I didn't think they'd be anywhere near that going into this season. Yeah, it looks like they might. Um, in regards to offensive production, though, for fantasy value, though, I think Todd Gurley might actually be a sell high right now. The reason for that. If you look at their upcoming schedule, think about the defenses in these teams. Seattle, Jacksonville, Arizona, New York Giants, Houston, Minnesota, New Orleans, so you like that one, Arizona, Philadelphia, Seattle again, Tennessee, and San Francisco. So, I mean, 
New Orleans-San Francisco seem like the only really good matchups. There's a lot of tough guys on the slate up ahead. So I do think the Rams are going to continue to be good. But Todd Gurley is at the peak of his fantasy value right now. So I think if you have him, you might want to explore trade options. And I'm not saying trade him for dirt, but you might want to consider if you can get a really good deal for him, if someone's really high on how well he's done so far, you might be able to get some great value for him. I think in terms of, like, trade strategy when you're in a situation like that, uh, you know, I, I've been running a fantasy league for the last eight years. And I've been doing this for a little while. I think, and, I, and I'm very active in trades and on the waivers. You um, usually lead the league, my leagues in those categories every season that I play. But, but anyways, I think that with that is that you take a guy like Gurley, explore trade options to say, okay, how can I fill a weakness but get an equal running back in return as well? So somebody who might value now Todd Gurley as one of the top five, you know, one of the best running backs in the league, say, hey, I got the best running back. You might need, you might need help at, uh, you know, at that position. So give me your best back and also uh, one of your best receivers in exchange. So you get a wide receiver running back combo, it, maybe a tight end running back combo. As long as you're getting something back, that RB1 you know, value or RB2 value back in return, I, I think definitely worth uh, exploring. I think for – uh, a lot of a lot of guys, um, but but there are a lot of running backs that are struggling this year. So getting rid of a guy like Gurley, it depends who else you have on your team. Uh, obviously, there's yeah. like in, in a 12 team league, especially our waiver wire is extremely thin in in our league, especially when it comes to running backs. So we're getting into that time of the year where it's almost like each week on the waivers there might not be any new running back, any new running backs to pick up, especially after week four. Man, it's getting really thin. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, not trading it for dirt, but just exploring. That's 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 all I'm saying. So I definitely still, if I'm not going to get good value, I still want to keep him. But uh, just depends on what people are willing to offer. I think they might be willing to trade a lot since he's had so much success in the past few weeks. Seven touchdowns in four games. So that that's all I'm saying with that. The Cowboys. We'll move on to them now. Dak Prescott three touchdowns in this game, so he looked pretty good. He made some nice throws, but. Uh, ultimately weren't able to overcome the Rams. And they actually, the Rams were able to uh, kind of keep Elliott bottled down, only four yards a carry, which, I mean, that's pretty decent. But for the for the Cowboys, that's not really that great. Yeah. Um, the Cowboys don't seem this like, like the same team from last season. I mean, already two losses quick out of the gate. Um, yeah, maybe maybe uh, taking take Elliott a little bit of time to get his groove back, kind of similar to how Bell – you know, miss, you know, some some of the preseason. But uh, Des Bryant seems to be getting back to form. I think, you know, speaking of Gurley as, Gurley as a sell high, I think Des Bryant's a buy low candidate. He's gotten past some of his uh, early season, you know, tough DB matchups. And I think he's got some good matchups on the schedule. Looking forward to the rest of the season. So that's a guy right there that I like. Um, outside of him, I mean, Witten showed some promise at the beginning of the year, but a disappointing day for him, one catch for nine yards. So, um, Dak, you know, he, he's 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 a, he's looking like a top quarterback right now, fantasy wise, and Zeke is Zeke. But I think Des Bryant's a buy low. I think you can uh, expect some bigger games out of him, some more touchdowns this season. Yeah, I can see that as well. All right, we'll move on to the next matchup now. Houston Texans take on the Tennessee Titans, and while a lot of people expected Houston to win, I don't think anyone expected this. They win fifty-seven to fourteen. The Texans actually set a franchise record in points scored. Deshaun Watson looked so good in this game. Four touchdowns passing and one rushing. It looks like he has kind of found his stride. And if he's able to continue this, the Texans are going to be a team to be. Yeah, I I agree, hands down. And he picks up the production of other players and gives them more opportunities. The lanes opened up for Lamar Miller, really big day for him. 
Foreman, even with 13 carries in that game, he looked good as well. Um, Will Fuller coming up, coming back uh, to the team with two touchdowns, giving him a deep threat. Now, I, I agree, man, from top to bottom. I, I think the Houston's a team on the upswing, and now the Titans with uh, Mariota Hurt uh, could be a team on the downswing. It's crazy how fast things can change. you got three teams tied up in that division at 2-2, two and two, but amazing game for Watson. I think great things to come from that team, man. Uh, both sides of the ball looking good for Houston. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned Will Fuller coming back. He had two touchdowns in this game, only four catches. But I think he's going to continue to get more involved as he kind of gets acclimated with Deshaun Watson. They probably haven't had a ton of time to practice together. And then on the ground for Houston, Lamar Miller pulls away with this game, 19 for 75 and a touchdown, along with 56 yards receiving and a touchdown there as well. Dante Foreman seemed to be kind of taking away some of his snaps, but I think Miller's kind of pulled away now. I think the split will continue, but it looks like Miller is the guy who's doing a lot better right now and probably the guy you want to own there. Yeah, kind of, kind of like a reborn role in the passing game that Watson gives them, opening up that offense. I like that for Miller. I think Miller's Miller's looking like a player with upside for the first time in a while. Yeah, I agree there. And then for the Titans, um, just not a good game overall. They only had 41 offensive snaps, which is just uh, that's that's not good. That's a low a low number, not something that you see very often. Uh, they had four interceptions in this game, two from Marcus Mariota, and two from his backup once he left the game, Marcus Mariota leaves this one with an injury. And it looks like it's not going to be too serious, fortunately. Um, but he just kind of um, he struggled even when he was in. He had two rushing touchdowns, but wasn't able to get a ton going through the air. Five turnovers for the team overall. There's just not a lot of note from this game, honestly. Yeah, no, you, can't, you can't win a game turning the ball over five times. And it's unfortunate that Mariota's starting to show he's a little injury prone. So I'm hoping that he stays healthy. But, um, you know, a little concern for Tennessee fans there for sure. Yeah, and it, basically uh, it sounds like Mariota, he has a hamstring injury. And it's similar to what DeMarco Murray has been playing through. And for a running back, that's harder. So I think Mariota's not really going to miss much time. But um, it seems like their offense is kind of struggling. And I I don't know why that is, but definitely a situation to monitor. Uh, just, just not really any production for them in any facet of the game. Yeah, it would be interesting to see where these two teams are at when they play each other again in their other division contests. I think that's uh, maybe in December sometime. So we got, you know, maybe two months from now. So it'll be really interesting. You know, team on the upswing, team on the downswing. Maybe both can keep it up. But I think both teams have the talent to be playoff teams, but we'll see, man. A lot of football to play between now and then. For sure. Next game, uh, Detroit Lions and Minnesota Vikings. Uh, The Lions win this one 14-7. And honestly, the biggest thing of note for me is the terrible news for the Vikings. Dalvin Cook tore his ACL. He's going to be out for the remainder of the year. It's just a big blow. He looks like... He looks like the feature back that this team has needed, just that it needed to have once Adrian Peterson left. And he did a great job filling Peterson's role, but now he is going to be gone for the rest of the season. Yeah, very unfortunate. Definitely nobody on that team that can fill those shoes. Hopefully he'll be back ready to go next season. Um, You know, it's too bad with Bradford and him together. I think they could have won that division. But, you know, Detroit and Green Bay also also looking good at 3-1, so – yeah, man, Diggs and Thielen, you know, obviously they're they're one of the top duos, if not the top wide receiver duo in the NFL. Um, but it's not going to be enough, man. They're not going to have that ground game. So it's unfortunate for the Vikings. The most disappointing team just injury-wise, but it, it's unfortunate to see that with Cook. Yeah, I would agree, especially um, this, I don't like their chances of doing very well at all now Now that Cook's gone. He was really the, the feature point of that offense, I think, especially while Sam Bradford is hurt. Latavius Murray yeah. looks like he's going to be filling that role. He got most of the snaps, but just didn't do as well. And I think it's really going to hurt this team long term. 
Yeah, you know, we saw Murray in Oakland, and he's like, you know, it is what it is with him. Like, we've seen McKinnon, too. I mean, they're going to be filling guys next man up, but definitely um, I, don't, I don't see Minnesota really pushing for the playoffs without Cook as that workhorse back. I saw him play against USF. They played uh, Florida State, um, I believe, in his junior, uh, junior year, I believe. And uh, he was a man amongst boys rushing in college, and he almost looks like that in the NFL, too. So amazing talent. I wish him a speedy recovery, man. It's too bad. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the Lions win this game, and they're up to 3-1 and one now, tied for Green Bay for the division lead. And the Lions are a team that always seem to start fast and then kind of falter as the season goes on. Is that, do you think that's going to continue this season? Um, you know, you hope not. You hope with uh, Jim Bob Cooter. And they, they had a decent finish to the season last year. Um, you know, you, you think that they, you know, make another strong push. I like their team. I like that. I like their defense. Um, I don't think their schedule is all that crazy. Uh, even towards the end of the year, they have the, the Bears and Bengals back-to-back weeks. I, I think Detroit's really going to make a strong push for this division. I think, the you know, Stafford's going to give them enough. He hasn't been that great fantasy-wise, but uh, – Amir Abdullah has been steady out of the backfield. They've got a handful of different receivers that can catch passes. Uh, I think it'll be enough in the NFC for them. So I'm expecting them to finish strong and uh, maybe win a playoff game or two. Yeah, nothing really of note for them fantasy-wise. They all were just kind of average. Nobody caught more than four passes in this game. And Abdullah, as you mentioned, he definitely had his best game of the year. He had 94 yards and a touchdown, which is his first touchdown since I think like week one of last year. So he doesn't get oh, yeah. a lot of that, but... Yeah, good to see him get back in the end zone. But Good to see him get 20 carries. I like the fact he's getting 20 carries. They're sticking with him as the number one back, no questions asked. So you like to see that that volume, that workload. Yeah, it seemed like it was going to be a split earlier in the year, and I think um, that's still a possibility, but it looks like he's definitely kind of pulled away, at least for now. I'd like to see him more involved in the passing game. I think he can do some damage there, too. Yeah, well, that's kind of the thing, though. Theo Riddick takes a lot of those, and that that's what really limits his upside. Yeah, this game in particular, it's interesting that now that Abdullah had four targets and three catches, theoretically only two targets, one catch. So, um, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll see. I think, I, I think Abdullah can make it back a long time away from that injury. He's just now, I think, getting his momentum back and getting down the speed of the game. So, I think Detroit's a team to watch, man. Like, they 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 could go far this year. I, I got them right now in our new power rankings as one of the top five teams in the NFL. I think they've shown it. With a couple big wins, I mean they're they're just like that one crazy NFL rule away from being four and zero, man. A lot, a lot to like with Detroit. Yeah, and I hate to say that being a Packers fan myself, and I think I think they're <laughs> going to battle it out for the. I think they're going to battle out the division. <laughs> great race, kind of like last year. Oh yeah, that's going to be. I, I love I love those games. I, I think that's one of the best rivalries in the in the league, man. So I'm excited to see those games. Yep, I agree there. I think it's going to be a good one towards the end of the season. Moving on to the next game, the Carolina Panthers upset the New England Patriots 33-30. to And um, I'm starting to wonder about the Patriots. They have the 32nd-ranked defense, in case you were wondering, that's the worst. They're just not looking good on defense despite all their offseason acquisitions, despite uh, pretty much everything we've come to expect from Bill Belichick and this Patriots team. Um, is it kind of time to panic for them? It's their worst start in a season since 2012. Right. I think the last time they started off 2-2, two and two, I want to say they went to the Super Bowl, so I wouldn't say it's time to panic. But with the defense, there, there's definitely concern. Um, if you want to revive your career and, and put in a Pro Bowl uh, you know, ticket, you know, at least give yourself a chance to get there, you definitely want to be playing the New England defense. I mean, in terms of fantasy, they're putting up negative points every week. 
Um, Tom Brady can only do so much. He had a good game, 307 yards, two touchdowns. I would have liked to see a little more Gronk action in this one, but, you know, I, I don't know, man. I don't think it's time to panic, but it's definitely time to start getting a little worried, for sure. When they, they got a tough game Thursday night with Tampa, too. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's the Patriots. We're not ruling them out yet, for sure. I'm not saying that at all. No, no, right, right. Something to keep an eye on. Yeah, they're just, it's not looking too good for them on defense. And if Tom Brady has to do everything, I mean, he doesn't play every position. So it's it's kind of hard to put all that on his back, especially at 40 years old. So, um, yeah, Brandon Cooks didn't do much in this game either, three for 38. So he, um, aside from his breakout game last week, continues to struggle. Uh, I, th- I still think it'll get better, but the, they just spread out the ball so much in their receiving game. It's just hard to trust any one person week to week, honestly. Yeah, is is he a buy low? Because, like, I just feel like he's going to continue to put out lines like this, like, every other week. I mean, Chris Hogan's looked like a way more reliable receiver in that offense. That's the way it looks right now, which is kind of surprising. I thought Danny Amendola was kind of kind of be that guy, and he also scores a touchdown in this one. Um, right. Second in the team in catches, but, yeah, Chris Hogan has kind of jumped into the role that I thought Brandon Cooks was going to be. So we'll see if you that figure, You figure buy low fantasy, guys. Brandon Cooks got to be at the top of that. But I just don't know if I want to buy low into him. But, I mean, he's definitely a buy low guy. Yeah, he's definitely a possibility for one. But, honestly, I'm not sure if I want him at this point. Moving on to the Panthers. Cam Newton, uh, coming off of the week that I dropped him and told everyone that I am off of him, 316 <laughs> yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, that's just kind of how it works with me. <laughs> Kind of tough luck there, but um, as you as I mentioned, they're they're the worst defense. I'm not looking too far into this. I think Cam Newton is kind of. Um, I still don't think he's going to be that great. Honestly, do you think it's going to continue with his success if he can build off of this? No, I think it's just that, like we talked, it's the New England defense. They're going to make everybody look really good this year. That's just what they're showing. So uh, the, the the thing that's surprising for me and a little disappointing. I'm glad I didn't draft him, but I almost did was Christian McCaffrey, even in a game like this where they put up 33 points. I mean, I guess he's a buy-low guy, but if he, he can't put up points in this type of game where their offense goes off like this, I don't think he's going to do it ever. I mean, um, yeah, I don't know if there's too much. I think Funchess is the guy to really look at. He can emerge as their top guy. Nine targets, um, more than double anyone else outside of McCaffrey for Carolina. That's really interesting to see that. So, uh, you know, that Funchess finally, after all these all these games of people saying he has upside and going to break out, he finally did. Yeah, people were saying he was going to kind of fill the role that uh, Kelvin Benjamin had because they assumed he was going to be out of this game with an injury. But he did play, and Devin Funches still went off, 7 for 70 and two touchdowns. I don't know if I can see that continuing again. I I think it's just the Patriots' defense for the most part. And then going back to Christian McCaffrey, he has put up numbers in the past. I think really his value is in PPR, and I I agree. I I avoided him in the offseason in drafts. Um, just because I didn't see, with Jonathan Stewart still in the backfield, I didn't see him having as much upside as he was being drafted for. So I think he still has potential in, in PPR leagues, but he doesn't really have a lot of touchdown upside, which limits his value in uh, standard leagues. Yeah, I, th- I think Cam Newton's proven that he could be a matchup, uh, you know, upside type of play at quarterback, maybe against certain defenses you sit him out. Um, I mean, I dropped Phillip Rivers for Deshaun Watson, but I, mean, but I, w- I would definitely take Cam Newton over Phillip Rivers. So he He's not up there in the top, but I think he could show that maybe maybe he can be a top 10, top 15 guy when the matchup is right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He has some easier matchups coming up, so definitely keep an eye on him for streaming, but other than that, I don't think he has a ton of value. Uh, the next game, Jacksonville Jaguars fall to the New York Jets 20-23. to And uh, once again, Jets, a team that I thought was tanking, 
They're <laughs> two and two now, I believe. They've won two. They're on a two-game winning streak over the Jaguars, who are coming off a 44 to seven win. D- did the Jets just completely say, "Well, forget tanking. We're not going to do it"? Or like, what's going on there? <laughs> I know, right? Seriously, man. It's like when the fans want them to tank, they can't even tank for them. So. Yeah, uh, Bilal Powell, finally, finally Bilal Powell, a big game for him, man. And then Elijah McGuire uh, comes out of nowhere. He looks really good, 10 carries, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, you just got to give your hats off to the Jets, man. They, they're 2-2. Two and two. I think a lot of people thought they were just going to win two games all year, but uh, but they're doing it, man. They're, 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 putting up, they're putting up a fight, and they're, they're giving some of these teams – I mean, they beat the Dolphins and the Jags. Not, not not like they're world beaters or anything, but uh, kudos to the Jets, man. Yeah, Blau Powell, as you mentioned, 163 yards and a touchdown in this one, along with Elijah McGuire, who had 93 and a touchdown. And I think um, I'm kind of wondering if they've kind of pulled into the one and two. Matt Forte was injured for this game, which is why they've gotten so many carries. But the, the Jets' offensive coordinator already said that it was going to be a running back by committee. And honestly, I don't think that changes. It doesn't sound like it's going to. It's going to be once Matt Forte comes back, it'll be a three-way. And you're going to have games like this where one of them or two of them will go off, but you can't really trust any of them week to week is my takeaway. Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. I think Powell, as long as he stays the main guy, he has value there. But it's bad. I think it could be a good thing that Forte's out because it gives some fresh legs a chance, you know, faster, guys, faster younger guys. It could give them a little boost in the offense, give them some more confidence. So I think it's a good thing for the Jets. Not much not yeah, much well, to speak for on the, on the Jacksonville side of things either, man. Not the two, two kind of – not very exciting offenses here. Yeah, that was that was kind of what I was thinking as well. Leonard Fournette continues to look to be pretty much the only guy that the Jacksonville Jaguars have on offense that's really worth anything. 86 yards on the ground, along with 59 through the air and a touchdown. Other than that, there's not really any production for any of them. Yeah, Mercedes Lewis's grand fantasy encore, man, after two touchdowns last, last week, you know, dis- disappears from the stat line. It's a typical Mar- Mercedes Lewis bounce back week. Yeah, and I, I expected that. I think most people did. You don't really want to buy into one week going off like that. It's not going to continue. So it it was the way I expected it to be. But Jaguars, uh, final question for this game. What do you, like, 44-7, to and then they come back and lose to the Jets. Like, what what are we thinking about this team? They show that they're doing something good, and it looks like they're going to be one of the better teams, and then they pull out a game like this where they just look like crap. Like, what do we expect from them week to week? Yeah, I wouldn't expect – too much. I wouldn't put the expectations too high for the Jags. They do have a good defense, and they've got the you know Fournette is is, is good. You know he's definitely definitely a young talent worth watching. Um, you know outside of that, they're just very young and inexperienced. They're just experiencing winning football games for the first time in a while, just as a franchise. Um, and I, I don't know, man. I think when you look at the, the rest of the, they're they're hurting obviously without Allen Robinson. You know being you know that Aaron receiver, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm not seeing them as a playoff team. I think they're going to struggle on the road. I think that they exposed uh, a bad Ravens team, and they kind of had that home field edge in London, and that's how they won that game. And then they beat a really bad quarterback in Tom Savage for their other win. So those are their two wins right there. Kudos to them for winning the games because you know it's obviously hard to just win a football game. Period in the NFL, but um, I wouldn't get too caught up on the on the hype for uh, Saxonville. Put it that way. Yeah, I think they're one of the hardest teams to predict going forward. All right, Arizona Cardinals and San Francisco 49ers. This is probably the least exciting game of the weekend. They pretty much just traded field goals for the whole game until finally Larry Fitzgerald scores the game-winning touchdown in overtime. 
Um, and he continues to be like pretty much the only guy that I trust on the on the Cardinals offense. Jerron Brown has eight for one oh five in this game, but just you can't trust that to continue. Jerron Brown, John Brown, JJ Nelson, they keep just kind of trading off good games. Yeah, what happened to JJ Nelson, right? I mean I I think he'll have a bounce back game coming up here one of these weeks too, so a lot of mouths to feed in the passing game for them. Um yeah, I don't know. I think this is one of those teams, again, they're 2-2. Two and two. They're beating kind of those bottom feeder teams. I don't really know what else Arizona can do. Um, you know, Chris Johnson's back. Yeah, but, like, not really too much exciting there. They're really just dumping off to Andre Ellington a lot. You know, nine catches, 86 yards from him. He had 14 targets. So, that kind of shows you where the Arizona yeah. Cardinals are at right there, just thinking Duncan. And Ellington is probably a guy you want to watch in PPR, but other than that, there's not really – uh, there's not really anybody on either one of these offenses that I trust, aside from Carlos Hyde for the 49ers. Didn't do too much in this game. He had um, Actually, he did 95 yards um, overall, just from scrimmage, uh, rushing and receiving combined. But he was uh, kind of pushing through an injury in this game, so I think he's going to bounce back. But Carlos Hyde and Larry Fitzgerald, I think, are the only two I trust. Aside from possibly Andre Ellington and PPR for either I, one of these I still, teams. I still like, I still like Pierre Garçon. Uh, he had eight targets, but obviously was okay. going. Anyone who goes up against Peterson is not really doing much for you. But going forward, the rest of the way, I think his matchups might ease up a little bit. Um, I because he's going to get volume in that offense, and he has the rapport with Kyle Shanahan. So I, I, I like him as a potential. He was traded in in our fantasy league this past week for Buck Allen. So kind of shows you where his value is at. Oh. But I like Pierre Garcon with, with some upside for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I forgot about him. I have him on a team as well. And in PPR, he's done pretty well. You mentioned Patrick Peterson going up against him. Obviously, you're going to have to tamper expectations. But most weeks, he seems to do pretty okay. And I think he's definitely um, the clear number one over there in San Francisco. The the one thing you can't deny looking at this game is Jaron Brown, 12 targets. He's getting double-digit targets in like three straight games. So you got you got to keep your eye on that if he's still available in your league. Yeah, and it's hard to trust him week to week because he hasn't really had the statistical output uh, until this week. So I don't trust him yet. But, yeah, like you mentioned, a guy you want to keep an eye on. Um, that's it for that game. One of the teams that I am buying into as a playoff team and possible winner of their division, the way things are looking so far, the Philadelphia Eagles win this week over the Los Angeles Chargers. They win 26-24. So um, not in blowout fashion or anything like that, but they are consistent. They're 3-1. and one, They continue to win games. Carson Wentz looks pretty good, and while their receivers kind of alternate who does well, um, they they seem pretty consistent, unlike most of the teams in that division so far. LeGarrette Blunt just out of nowhere. You know, you know he's got the talent, but they were talking about cutting him during the preseason and now just busts out with 16 carries, 136 yards, had a 68-yard run. Um, you got to like that, and I think the Patriots might be missing Blunt a little bit after seeing that performance, but uh, it's interesting that the Eagles gave three different running backs at least 10 carries. Smallwood and Corey Clement, the rookie, each got 10 touches, so I think any one of those three guys is worth a stash on your on your bench in fantasy, uh, especially with like the, the, the thin type of depth at running back. Um, Corey Clement had the touchdown last week, so he, he could still get in there and do some work. I don't know if they're sold on Smallwood yet necessarily in that position, but Alshon Jeffrey continues to bail himself out. It seems like a, like a cheap touchdown every now and again, so he's kind of hanging in there. But, um, you know, Zach Hurts, he, he's been the big surprise for me this season. I like what he's doing at tight end. Yeah, he was one that I was buying into early in the year, and I think a lot of people were wary of him as he seems to always start slow. 
and then kind of build up throughout the season. But he's starting off fast this time. I think he can maintain that. It looks like he's he's been the number one target for the Eagles uh, pretty much every week, I think, so far. So he's a guy that I am trusting in fantasy leagues, at least. Yeah, yeah you got to like him. Yep. Then on the Chargers side of the ball, Phillip Rivers uh, actually doesn't throw a pick in this game for once. Um, throws 347 yards, two touchdowns, but it wasn't enough to get the victory. Um, Melvin Gordon wasn't really able to get going in this game, and I think that really hurt them. Ten carries, uh, 22 yards, so not really much from him. Uh, pretty much the thing of note for this game, Keenan Allen, 5 for 138, and he continues to be the number one receiver for them. And then Tyrell Williams, 5 for 115 and a touchdown. Kind of comes out of nowhere. He's a guy who did very well in Keenan Allen's absence last year. Hasn't really done a lot this year up until now. Yeah, it's so hard to tell, man, with all these different receivers, uh, you know, in San Diego. I think uh, nine different guys registered a catch in this game. It's really hard to tell where the targets are going outside of Keenan Allen. So I, I like him a lot, with, you know, consistently going forward. I think with the, with the tight end, it's almost a toss-up. So, you know, with Tyrone Williams, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's going to be tough for him to, to kind of duplicate, duplicate these types of games and performances. But I think he's talented, uh, you know, similar to Keenan Allen. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I, don't, I don't know. If he's on your team, I definitely would hold on to him, maybe consider him as a flex starter. But um, I, I think I think you, you got to see more production consistently week to week out of him. Yeah, I think Keenan Allen is the only guy you could start week to week. The rest of them may be bi-week fill-ins, but other than that, you can't really start it because there's just too many mouths to feed in that Chargers offense. Yeah, what's so, up with Melvin Gordon, man? I mean, 10 carries, 22 yards. They they need to really make a better effort at, at creating the run game in that offense, man. He's He's got to do better than that. Yeah, and the frustrating thing for the Chargers is they seem like a better team than the 0-4 record shows. I don't know what – they just seem to collapse at the end of every game. I don't know what the deal is. Giants and Chargers this week, the 0-4 Mud Bowl of the NFL, man. It's going to be something you got to give there. Yeah, that's when I'm – well, I almost said looking forward to. I don't know if I'd go that far, but <laughs> there's um, definitely going to be interested to see who's able to pull up the victory in that one. Speaking of the Giants, the next game that we're going to be talking about, the Giants and the Buccaneers. And as you mentioned, the Giants uh, have not won a game yet. They lose this one 23-25. I honestly thought the Giants, this was going to be the week that they finally got their win, but just didn't happen. The Buccaneers came ready to play. Jameis Winston threw three touchdowns. Mike Evans, Cameron Brait, and O.J. Howard. So Mike Evans, the number one receiver, of course. And then both of the tight ends in this one get involved, and they looked pretty good on offense, which is something that hasn't really happened so far. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I think Bra- I mean, people are people have been dogging Braid. He was like one of the top tight ends to finish out the second half of last season, and he's on waivers uh, in both of my 12 team leagues. So that just goes to show the lack of faith people have. I think you know, OJ Howard's going to take a little time to develop. I, I think Braid's going to finish with a better year, and he could be a top 10 tight end even with OJ Howard getting work in that offense. So I like to see that out of Braid, and uh, you know, Mike Evans looking good as always. See what happens with Doug Martin coming back. Well, you know, if he if he gets a lot of his work of the carries, or how much him and Jacquez split time, that'll be interesting to see. That's what I was going to say. Jacquez Rogers, sixteen for eighty three, didn't really do much any other game though. So I think Doug Martin probably is going to come back pretty much with the job in hand. I think it'll be a time split for sure. But for me at least, I think Doug Martin is going to lead the backfield in carries for now. I mean, if you're looking for a running back, we're talking about how razor thin it is on the waivers, but. I think Wayne Gallman's a worthy pickup. I mean, he, he was a really good back in college at Clemson. Finally got a chance to get some work with the Giants. I know because of injuries, but 
had a receiving touchdown, had 11 carries, you know, averaged a little less than four yards a carry, wasn't that great, but, you know, looks better than Paul Perkins has looked, looks better than Dark was looked, and uh, maybe they'll give the Rooks some more burn in that offense, man. What do you think? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Paul Perkins just has not performed at any game so far. I think he's, I think oh. he's like the highest output he's had so far is like 25 yards, just ridiculously bad for the Giants. Yeah. And just, I think Wayne Gallman definitely has potentially looked pretty good in this game. And you gotta you got to mix it up somehow. So I think the Giants definitely are going to start to lean on him more. He looks like the only guy who has any value for them on the ground. Evan Ingram's emerged a little bit at tight end. I mean, he's still not, you know, too, too – he has kind of a limited ceiling still. But it, it was good to see Brandon Marshall getting involved the last two weeks. He's had 14 catches. Uh, he had 10 targets in this game right behind Beckham and, and Ingram. But, yeah, I don't know, man. The Giants are just uh, – you can you can keep calling them the work, the best winless team in the league, but that doesn't get you very far. Yeah. Uh, you think the only other thing of note from this game, Odell Beckham was 7 for 90. He led the team in receptions and yards, and I think the Giants have started to look better since he comes back. And I actually got a question this week um, asking what I think about um, Odell Beckham. We talked about him earlier this year, wanting to be the highest paid player out of anyone, not just uh, wide receivers, but like even more than quarterbacks. He wants to be the highest paid. And um, I don't buy into that, but he was think he was asking how much I think that he should be valued at. Just clearly is the the guy that you want in giant in the Giants franchise. He, they can't seem to do much without him. And I don't I don't want to talk about that yet because I think we're going to do that later in the week. So uh, Chris, if you're interested in that, um, I'll I'll let you know when I'm posting up that call in, and then you can call in with some thoughts yourself. But I'm um, just yeah, throwing absolutely. that out there. Yeah, yeah. I was just to jump in real quick before we move on to the next game. I, I think if you own OBJ, you know, despite the injuries and maybe a little slow start, you got to love 15 targets. 15 targets in this game had a, ca- a long catch of 42 yards. So uh, good, good things to come as long as he keeps getting 15 targets. I think he'll be a happy fantasy owner if you got OBJ. Yeah, I think he's pretty much the only sign of life from the Giants so far. They just look terrible without him. Now that he's back, they're at least looking adequate. That's <laughs> That's pretty much my thought on that. Uh, <laughs> quite a compliment right here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? Uh, all right, final two games of the week, the Oakland Raiders and the Denver Broncos. And the Broncos pulled the win in this one 16-10. Derek Carr leaves this game with back spasms. And originally it seemed like it wasn't going to be serious. I actually just got a report like five minutes ago. He's going to be out two to six weeks. Ooh. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's going to hurt, man. Yeah, I know. He When he left last season, we saw uh, – the Raiders in the playoffs just did not look like the same team. And honestly, even with him in this game, the Raiders did not look good. Their leading receiver had 64 yards, and that was on one catch. Nobody else topped 50. Marshawn Lynch led the ground game with 12 yards. Like, the Raiders' offense as a whole, and granted they're facing the Broncos, who have a great defense, but you got to be able to put up numbers against the Broncos if you want to win the division. Yeah, I mean, they're the, they're the clear-cut third team in that division. It's just, yeah, the way even the way they looked against Washington last Monday night, now, you know, struggling again, either with or without Carr. Luckily, E.J. Manuel didn't look all that terrible filling in, so I think it's better than, you know, having Connor Cook, who was really inexperienced last season. I think the, their best-case scenario now is just to sneak into the playoffs, especially, I think, with Carr out that long. They just need to stay in the race at this point. I mean, they got some tough games. They play Baltimore, they play the Chargers and the Chiefs and the Bills. So, I mean, it, it's kind of a tough little uh, stretch they got in the next four games. I mean, maybe San Diego, but that that could be a trap game too right there. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's tough, yeah. man. And Marshawn, Marshawn Lynch is really struggling. That, that's, uh, But I guess as, as the rest of the offense struggles, you can't really rely on him. He, he's got to be humming with the rest of the guys. So 
no no one really showing much. Amari Cooper struggling with drops. Um, they need to get Crabtree back quick, man. They need to give him back from injury for sure. Yeah, Cooper in this game, two for nine. So, obviously, again, going up against Cape Tlaib, Chris Harris, and the like, you would expect not a great game, but that's not the only reason. He has seven drops so far in four games, leads the league in that category, just hasn't looked mm-hmm. like the guy that we'd expect him to be. I, I guess you could say I guess you could say there's a buy low. It could be another buy low fantasy guy right there. You'd think he has the talent to pick it up, you know, even with Manuel throwing the ball or when Carr gets back, you know, in another month or so. Maybe somebody's real mad at Amari Cooper and they got him on their on their bench now. You know, maybe maybe stash him away in a few weeks he could get back on track. Yep, I was thinking the same thing. If you are looking for a guy that you can buy low at receiver, Amari Cooper is probably your guy. He's had pretty bad outputs. Uh, so far this season, I think the, really the only direction to go for him is up. So, uh, yeah, great. he'd be a great buy low in my book. And for the Broncos, um, didn't really do a whole lot there either. Manuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas both held under 30 yards. Uh, the leading receiver for the team was actually A.J. Derby at tight end, 75 yards and a touchdown. So kind of came out of nowhere there as well. I'm not – I don't think that continues, but – um, yeah, what, what did you think about the Broncos well, receivers? Yeah, I mean, Derby also led the team in targets, and Benny Fowler second in receiving yards. At, you know, Sanders and Demarius Thomas combined for 38 receiving yards, only two, uh, what, five, well, five targets apiece for Sanders and Thomas. But, yeah, man, tough sledding, just not the consistency you want to see. Uh, Sanders and Thomas were great fantasy receivers with Peyton Manning, uh, they haven't had the con- a consistent enough play at quarterback. I mean, they can still win games in the NFL, but fantasy-wise, uh, I don't think I don't I don't even know if they're top twenty guys on a weekly basis anymore, and they had been for a while. Yeah. So I'd be worried about that. I I think you you might want to try to you know if you can still trade those guys and they're on your team and somebody still can buy into that big name uh, that wants to buy low, maybe you try to do that if if you got one of those guys or both those guys. Yeah, I can see that, and pretty much the only guys for the Broncos that I would want. Uh, I guess really the only guy, C.J. Anderson, 20 for 95 in this one, along with four catches for 17 yards. And he does lose touches to Jamal Charles, who also has looked very good so far. But Anderson's still the clear lead back. He had four times as many carries as Charles did and does pretty well when, with what he's given. So I think he's uh, yeah. going to continue to put up numbers. But, yeah. Yeah, if you got Anderson, I, I, I would recommend, if you haven't already, um, Get uh, handcuffed Charles. Get Charles as, as a stash on your bench if you haven't already. Because if Anderson gets hurt, uh, you could be seeing the old Jamal Charles again getting back to form. So I think he'll be getting the bulk of the carries there. I don't I don't know how much Booker will get in that case. Maybe they split. But Jamal Charles has some upside, man. I think he, he's looked good this year. Yeah, I agree with that. It's When he's on the field and when he's got the ball in his hands, he looks very good. Um, right now he's just been a compliment. So I, I think that continues so far, at least as long as C.J. Anderson produces. But – he definitely is a great change of pace back. He does very, very well with what he's given. All right, uh, final game. Well, Monday night football has not happened at the time of this recording, so we're not going to be talking about that one. But the Sunday night football game, the Indianapolis Colts and Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks win this one 46-18. to uh, It didn't look that way in the first half, though. The, C- or the Colts were actually winning 18-15 to going into halftime, and they looked like they were actually going to put up a fight against the Seahawks until they pulled away in the second half. Yeah, the Seahawks are a tough team to figure, man. Um, It's going to be really interesting when they play the Rams next week. That's one game I'm circling that I really want to tune into. And you saw Chris Carson go down. That was unfortunate. Now it's like who's going to be the guy? Eddie Lacy got 11 carries. 
J.D. McKissick looked good. Richard Sherman gave him a shout-out after the game. Uh, even Tyler Lockett, the receiver, got two carries. So I don't know what's going to happen with this team. Uh, moving, they need to keep Doug Baldwin healthy. But, yeah, I don't know. This is one, this is one team that's kind of hard to figure. Are, are they legit? Can they make a legit run, win their division, and make a playoff run? Or are, are they just going to play second, second fiddle to the Rams this season? It's kind of what I'm wondering. Yeah, they seem to be a very hot and cold team. They either are doing very, very well, like we saw in the second half, or they really struggle, like we saw in the first half. Uh, just to go back to Chris Carson really quickly, uh, the report came out he has broken his leg along with the high ankle sprain. He's been put on injured reserve. Ooh. It doesn't sound like he's going to return this season. Yeah, that's tough, man. That's real tough. He was looking good. Too. Yeah. It was like, it's it, it, it's two, two, two rookie running backs already out for the year, man. That's unfortunate. Yeah, and he just had pulled away from Eddie Lacy and Thomas Rawls. He had the starting job, and it looks like he's going to stay that way. But I'm thinking Lacy and Rawls are both going to have to split carries now that Carson is going to be out. Yeah. Surprise, Lacy actually averaged a decent amount of per carry. He's been struggling in that department. He had 11 carries, 52 yards. So, you know, decent decent days salvaging something for him. He might, he might be on the waivers. I would I would check, you know, your league. He could be a decent pickup just for a little spot fill. You know, if you're hurting yeah, that running back. Yeah, it seems back. like he's mostly, unless he's just ranked really low, it seems like he's mostly owned because I haven't really seen his name. But definitely someone you're going to want to watch. I think he's probably going to be the guy to own now. A couple, that couple people drop. Uh, if you're in an active league, you know, somebody might have dropped him. Yeah, he was dropped in, in at least one of the leagues that I'm in. But, but yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, a guy that, he's a guy that struggled to, to, to score. You know, for he, he struggled to get into the end zone for a while. They're not even really using him as the, as the goal line back there. I think McKissick, man, the, the rookie, I don't know how much work he's going to get, but I think you know, the upside guy who could show some big play potential, that, that might be a guy they look to to get more work too. Yeah, he looks pretty good in this game. He had four carries for 38 yards and a touchdown. So, And he also had a receiving touchdown. So I don't know, maybe he'll end up leading this back in carries. Who knows? It's just that's, that's <laughs> another reason, like you mentioned, uh, Rams and Seattle next week is a game that I'm very excited to see. And uh, partly for that reason, just I want to see what happens now that Chris Carson has gone down. Well, it was interesting. I was listening to uh, ESPN Radio last night after the game, and uh, they had Richard Sherman on a post game interview. And you know, I don't know. You know, who knows how much Richard Sherman has a say or knows what's going on in terms of the pecking order and depth chart on that team on offense. But he did give a really big shout out to McKissick, and was basically saying now they have they have the chance to unleash him, so to speak. So, um, you know, he has had some chatter around him. You know, maybe it's too early. I don't know, but definitely like an upside guy and worth a stash if you're in a deep league. Yeah, I think probably a guy that you maybe if you have an extra roster spot, you want to stick him on your bench for a week. And then I think if you want to get him and if he goes off next week, you're probably not going to be able to. So if you have that extra right. spot, you may want to stash him and see what happens to this next week against the Rams. Uh, okay. And then for the Colts, uh, not really anything of note, honestly. Again, they looked pretty good in the first half, just kind of fell off the map after that. Not really a lot of production from anyone there. No, and, and I just, you know, more losses like this, and you're going to keep seeing Andrew Lux practice date push back, you know, if he even plays this year. I drafted him in the 10th round of my, of my league um, because I thought it was a steal at the position, but just as a couple losses have been coming in, you just really think, are they going to even bring him back at all this year? They, they obviously spent a few resources trying to get Jacoby Brissett. And he's not all that great, but it might be just enough to let Andrew Luck sit out the rest of the year. So, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I don't know if you can trust anyone in that offense, even T.Y. Hilton. I know Moncrief got in the end zone in that one. You know, Gore is Gore. You know, I, I think that, that offense is real limited in terms of how many touchdowns they're going to score this year. 
Yeah, I think um, with Andrew Luck, I think it's, if I heard correctly, even if uh, the Colts aren't performing at the end, he's not. He's still going to be the starter. I'm, I'm reading from ESPN right now. Uh, Luck, as long as he's healthy, will play this season after spending the past eight months rehabilitating, rehabilitating his surgically repaired right shoulder. Um, the thought of sitting a healthy Luck has never crossed the mind of those inside the Colts organization. So now, well, my, qu- even, my question is, when is he going to be healthy? Because he hasn't even came back to practice yeah. yet, so I guess we'll see there. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure I actually heard a report during the game that he's hoping to practice this week, which doesn't mean he's going to play this <laughs> I've week. Heard, yeah, I've heard that report a lot so far this year. Is he's hoping to practice? We'll see. We'll see, man. They definitely need him. I mean, he's a top. He's a top five quarterback at least fantasy wise when he's healthy. So, um, you know, if, if he yeah. plays and, and he's and he's on your team, he's 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 going to be worth a spot in your starting lineup. Yeah, at the beginning of the season, they were targeting week six. It sounds like that's still the target date. So, um, yeah, you definitely want to see him practice first, but um, yeah, it just hasn't really performed. I think until he comes back, there's not really much that you want on uh, the Colts for your fantasy team. All right, uh, that's all the games for this weekend. So that's uh, going to wrap it up. Uh, Chris, um, just to recap again, where can people find you on the Internet? Where can Where can they go to listen to your content? Sure, absolutely, man. And thanks for having me on again. And, you know, congratulations. We got through the games, man. We we, we did it. Um, now it's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, you, you can find all of our uh, podcast content uh, here on Anchor, on the Go Baller FFS station. We put out our weekly Family Feud Sports podcast each week with myself and my father, Alan Dell, two lifelong sports journalists. And uh, you can also find me on in the social world, at Mad Journalist. That's at M-A-D-D Journalist, M-A-D-D Journalist on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And, uh, yeah, man, we're putting out our uh, NFL quick picks against the spread each week. We got our uh, Picks Can Pick em group going. So you can uh, feel free to join that. We have a link to join. It's bit.ly slash goballer FFS picks. Again, that's bit.ly slash goballer FFS picks. And, uh, yeah, man, I'll, I'll see you on the fantasy field soon here in the Anchor League. That's also been a lot of fun. So I appreciate you having me on. and. Uh, Definitely look forward to having you on our station coming up here in the next couple weeks, man, as we do some more NFL content too. Yeah, awesome. Sounds good. So thank you so much again, Chris, and thank you guys all for listening. It's always great to see you guys coming back and listening and um, just coming back to see what's going on in the NFL. So thank you for checking in. Um, We keep looking forward. As I mentioned, I hope that we are going to have a little bit of a discussion going on later this week, starting off with Odell Beckham and his contract, stuff like that. So we're going to have some different discussion points going up. But stay tuned for that. And then the Week 5 recap coming probably on Friday. So thank you all for listening. As always, I will catch you next time. Peace.